This Week in Sparkling Water. I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. And my name is Joachim Eriksson. Oh. And at that moment, the AC turned off. And now we're dealing with perfect audio quality. Oh, I feel super panicked right now. I don't know why. Why is my heart racing? Hmm. I don't know. I think we're going to be all right. Oh, God. I just played poker with the boys, and Rich was like... <laughs> Rich said that he was surprised that I'm still alive even after listening to episode 66. He thought I'd be dead. Which is weird, because I didn't experience myself as super depressed in that episode, but I don't know. Maybe I experienced myself wrong. Hmm. I also want everyone to know that I wasn't on time after recording episode 65. Um, so I feel like the first thing I... I don't think the last episode was good. Is what I want to say about it. But, um, it's about, it's about something that's important to me. And that's like, I've always struggled with perfectionism and it's usually perfectionism related to sleep. Like for my entire twenties, if there was ever an email I wanted to write, I needed to write to someone where I cared at all about their opinion about me, I would be like, I would think to myself that I can't write the email now because I haven't had enough sleep. And I needed to have the perfect amount of sleep to be able to do something. And then maybe you milk a little bit of Swede and then you need to have the perfect amount of THC in your blood to do something. And, and I would have those thoughts related to everything. And the big one obviously was, I'm going to, I'm going to take out this lens wipe and I'm going to wipe my glasses. And once I've wiped these glasses, my heart is no longer going to be racing. Okay. That's the deal I'm making with my body. You know, I spent like 15 years trying to write a novel because Every time I sat down to write it, I was like, well, this is going to come off weird because I slept too much or too little or I'm too hungover or I'm not hungover enough or, you know. So then I ended up doing nothing. So for a 15-year period of my life, I just did nothing because I was such a perfectionist about shit. And then one, I don't know, at some point working through the book The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, working through that book and, and talking through that book every week with my buddy Sam. Me and my buddy Sam used to do these weekly weekly meetups and talk through where we were at in the in the workbook, the Artist's Way workbook. I worked through the perfectionism somehow and just realized that, I don't know, Look, I don't have anything good to say about it. All I got to say is, like, I have to just be okay with 
doing things shitty. And the last episode, I recorded it at night, and I was real tired, and I felt real shitty about myself, and I felt like I was going to be real tired, and that I was going to talk, and it was going to be real boring and tiring, and and it was going to be a really shitty podcast episode, and then it was. <laughs> but that's okay. Because it didn't kill me, you know? <laughs> Yesterday at work. <laughs> oh, God. Yesterday at work. Someone was asking me about my podcast, and, and I was like, yeah, bro. This is what it's called. Go for it. Just know that the la yesterday's episode was shitty. And then Cass was sitting right there. And Cass, it was like, I didn't want to be the one to say it. <laughs> Which is a joke, because I know... I almost said she, but Cass's preferred pronoun is he, and I'm... And I love Cass, and I think we should use the right pronoun. <sighs> he slash they. And I know they were joking, because they... Definitely hadn't listened to the episode, but still a little bit of an insult helps, you know. Dude, what was I talking about? I don't know. Yeah. There's something about, like, yeah, something about smoking weed where you're always procrastinating, and then... If you go real deep in, in it and then you come out, it's like, now I have this weird feeling like, even late at night, I just feel like I can still do stuff. That's a weird, it's a weird feeling that I am somewhat grateful for. Okay, let's, let's drink a water. Let's drink a water. This is from Bubbler Antioxidant Sparkling Water. So this episode, we're doing passion fruit. So this is a uh, passion fruit wonder. And they removed the E in the word wonder. Okay, that smells... That smells so chemically. It's like inhaling chemical fumes that sort of burn in the back of your brain. You know, um, Mike, the bartender, Michael... At Holbrook, he brought in some smelling salts. <laughs> it's so fucking stupid and funny, but for some reason, I don't know why it's embarrassing. I did come across on YouTube a clip from the Joe Rogan podcast, which is a podcast no one should listen to and no man should ever talk about. And in this clip, they smell smelling salts and they're all suffering. They're all just writhing in pain, which was something I enjoyed watching six minutes of. Three real, real meatheads, real fucking bald idiots suffering. Um, and then Mike brought in some smelling salts and, and I, I smelled it a couple of times and it smelled weird and it, it made my brain feel weird. But then I got two close ones and it lit, it really, really, really felt like a knife, like a, broad like a wide blade of metal was shoved right up my left nostril 
and cut me open deep inside, like three inches in to my left nostril. It just felt like metal was just like cutting through my flesh. Incre and I was just like screaming and jumping around in pain because it hit me so suddenly. Because like the, I, the way I envision it is like you, you open a thing of smelling salts and there's like this weird licking, dancing flame of salt fumes just sort of moving around and you kind of smell it close and and the flame isn't the the sort of wave of particles isn't right there in your face so it doesn't do anything and then randomly it just like the whiff just hits you and god damn it hurts and then Cass did it too and <laughs> Cass was all fucking yeah Cass was all um cocky about it and then um it hit him too hard. Anyway, um, so now I'm smelling this antioxidant water, and it's got a chemicalness that that burns a little bit in the back of the nostril, which is a real bad sign. Oh, ugh. yuck, yuck, yuck! Oh, that's disgusting. Ugh. Yeah, that's gross. That reminds me of um, my own reaction. That reminds me of this guest I had a couple of days ago, where I had this annoying white lady and and she starts out asking for bread and we don't have bread so I tell her no and then she orders this soup and it's a moderately spicy soup on a menu where nothing else is spicy so whenever people order it especially white people I like to tell them but this lady just kept being again she kept being like no bread huh no you don't have any bread like like you don't have any bread and uh, we do tortillas we don't do bread so, um, she kept interrupting me about how I didn't have bread. So I didn't tell her that the soup was spicy. And then, uh, I deliver the soup to her and I, then I check on her and, and, and she's like, yeah, this, she tries the soup and she goes, Ugh. and she says, this soup is ruining my whole night. That's what she said. Um, because it was too spicy and, um, yeah. And I wanted to be like, yeah, lady, because you fucking interrupted me so many fucking times. She was like, you got to tell people that this is a spicy soup. And I wanted to be like, yeah, I always do. But you interrupted me so many fucking times about how I don't have bread that here we are. Here we are, lady. Here we are. You're being a bitch. You're being a bitch. Real, real Karen stuff. Real Karen stuff on that one. But, um, yeah, I, um, there was one thing I thought that I was going to talk about, which is like, and it's actually, it's actually a success story. And I, I need to thank Mike, the bartender, because it's like my whole life I've had this problem of, I've mentioned this in different forms on the podcast before. I've had this problem of not, oh, I feel so self-aware right now. God, I hate this episode. This is really tough. God damn it. My whole life I've had this problem where people will mistreat me and I won't have the right, I won't have the right reaction. And Back when I was living in Seattle, I had a couple of, a few different therapists, and I think both Dr. Huber up in Ballard and Tyson, who wasn't a doctor, 
who uh, both those therapists brought up the same thing, which was like, I would go in there and I would tell a story and it might be from work. It might be like my, it would be a story of how I'm being mistreated and how I'm trying to handle that emotionally. And it'd be like how my boss is like treating me like shit. So I try even harder to like make them happy. And then they treat me even more like shit. And then I try even harder to make them happy. And then at the end, I just feel all defeated and anxious and horrible about it. And then any sensible person that really sort of listens to that will be like, but, but you're having the wrong, like you should feel, they're treating you like shit. Like you should feel mad about that. You should feel angry. And then that's been my problem where I don't feel anger when I should feel anger. So instead, well, what happens is if you get treated like shit and then instead of feeling anger, you start doubting yourself because you're gaslighting yourself. It's like self-gaslight where you immediately are like, am I the one who's wrong? Like, are they right to feel angry at me? Am I the, no, are they right to treat me like shit? Like, am I shit? And, um, yeah, the, the thing that happens is that then you think about it a week later and then now you think about it more clearly and you realize that you, they treated you like shit and you were wronged. Then it no longer comes out as this like anger because like anger we can use here as the word for like the healthy feeling, which is like the healthy response that can pass through you. Instead, what you feel is hatred because like a week thinking back on something in the past that draws up these emotions. That's more like a feeling of hatred. So my whole life, I would like just be this pushover and then I would like hate people. And more than anything, it's, it's, it's uh, anxiety. It comes out as anxiety where like, I just don't want it to be like this. It's the feeling. And, um, then when those, especially when Tyson, the therapist brought it up to me, I, I started working on it and I started like doing simple little things where like I would just be at work and I'm like in a situation where I feel like this is not super high stakes, you know, I got, I got a little bit of a restaurant job. It's all right. I can sort of like work on my emotions in here. And, you know, if I do something wrong and I get fired, it's, it's all right. Um, so <laughs> While working at Babar, I worked through it a lot that year. And especially my coworker, Sam, he would like, he was like this very confident, kind of smart, kind of cool Venezuelan kid who always wanted to be on the podcast. And for some reason, I, I sort of have developed a rule where I don't really bring people on when they want to be on because that comes out wrong. Like they are not the good guests. The good guests are the people who don't want to be on. But so... Sam would be a little bit too cool at work and a little bit too like slick and clever about it all. And he'd get out of doing stuff he didn't want to do. And I would get annoyed with him. And then like, I'd get the tiniest bit annoyed and I would work on being in touch with my anger and I would explode at him and I would like scream at him. And we'd be standing in the middle of the restaurant and I'm just screaming at my coworker. And, uh, he was such a cool 22 year old. Cause like he would scream back at me and we would scream and scream and scream. And then in the middle of it, he would just like switch and just do this super mature thing of being like, suddenly be really calm and be like, yes, he'd be like, yes, Joe Kim, you're actually right. I was being shitty there and I actually want to apologize. And I'm actually like genuinely sorry. 
because the, the thing that started all of this was actually me doing something shitty. And he'd be like that and he'd be totally earnest and he would really sort of like leave me completely dazed like a grenade went off next to my head where I'm like, because then the anger is like, the anger feels totally without context when someone, like then you just have this weird, your anger is just disappears and leaves this anger shaped hole or black void. And then you just stand there and you have no thoughts. And, uh, and that would, that I was always really impressed that he could do that because he did it like looking at the situation, um, objectively, it's like he would do something that was a little bit shitty. And then I would scream and be furious because I'm like a two year old modulating my anger. And then, looking at it objectively, I was actually being a bigger asshole than he was because I'm fucking over here screaming. But that's the thing, you know? And that's what I've said about this before. That's the part of it that I've talked about before where it's like, it is this, it's similar to the AA idea of how if you start drinking at 13 years old and then you drink like a monster every day until till you're 60 and then you quit emotionally you're a 13 year old because you never really developed while getting monster wasted every day so then you get sober at 60 and now you're a 13 year old and for me with anger it's like that where like i i'm like 32 years old and i am start i feel anger in real time for the first time and i'm like a child trying to you know, develop a mature relationship with anger. And I'm like a totally newborn child, you know? So Sam is here like dealing with this. And I developed, I think I developed a little bit of a reputation there for being, for having sort of like school shooter energy because I would still have this problem of like people would mistreat me and I'd just like smile and be like, okay, well, what can I do to make this better? And then sometimes I would just like explode at people and scream. And it's like, Okay, bro. <laughs> like, okay, bro. Maybe somewhere in between, bro. Um, but I think I'm a lot better with it now. And oh, yeah, yeah. So the thing I was going to say now is like, so I had these two guests. Oh, yeah. So Mike, the bartender, has recently shown me. He just shows, he will show us by doing, by doing it correctly. And I remember a while back, like two weeks ago, there was this guest and the only re the only time I interacted with the guest directly was they come came up to me when I was standing like kind of in the back behind a door in a restaurant and they fucking peek through this door where guests are really not supposed to go and they're all like, eh, can I have a spoon? I have a soup. Like maybe in the future you should give us spoons. And I'm like, yeah, because we were incredibly busy. It was like a crazy weird Friday where like all the plumbing fucking broke and the dishwasher broke and it started flooding and we were fucking in trouble. And it was like, we were, we were drowning metaphorically. So, which is why this person got shitty service and didn't get a spoon when they got a, a, a soup. So it's like, yes, we definitely fucked that up and didn't get you a spoon when we got your soup. But it's also like, you're being, I hate how you're talking to me though. though that was my entire impression of my direct interaction with this guest but so then this guest is like seated at the bar and has no sympathy for how we're like there's only a few of us and there's like hundreds of guests and we're just like so dying and this guest has no sympathy for this and then 
drinks take a long time and Mike, the bartender is like, okay, so this drink is on me. I know that took a while. Here you go. This is on me. And then she ordered like another drink or something. And then he, he wasn't getting to her quickly enough. And so this guest starts clapping and screaming, hurry up, hurry up, clapping, clapping, clapping very rudely, you know? And then Mike, the bartender, in the middle of all the chaos of that moment, just stops and stops everyone and stops everything and calms everyone down and just says, no, 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 listen. And then he like has this super well-measured, even-handed thing where he's like, look, we are taking a long time because we're very busy. Previously, I made a mistake with that, blah, blah, blah. And he acknowledges some mistake he made. Here's your, here's your drink that I'm giving you for free because it took a long time. And it's like, I'm not a dog and you don't talk to me like that. And like, that's, those are the things he said. Like, he was like, you're being very disrespectful. And he just said these like very even handed professional things where he was like, he just shut this person down and was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to be talking to staff like that. And it was like such a breath of fresh air. Because he's like this tall, handsome, humble, beautiful man. <laughs> Fuck, I love that guy so much. <laughs> so he's shown me that a couple of times where you just like, sometimes you, you, just, you just slow it down and you don't freak out at people and you don't yell at people, but you tell them no. And you just give them this like stern no. And you just stand up for yourself and you advocate for yourself. And it's like, I... Dude, I wish I had role models like that when I was a kid or something. Like, what if I'd seen a single person say anything like that at any point in my life when I was a teenager? Like, in Sweden, dude, everyone's a pushover. Everyone's passive-aggressive. Everyone's a pushover. Everyone's shitty. And I never learned anything like that. And then this guy, who, like, spent a year in jail, picked up boxing while in jail... You know, turned his own, turned his life around, taught himself how to do things. Small business owner, Mike. God damn, I love this guy. He is like the big brother I wish I always had, you know? And so I've seen him do a couple of things like that. And it's, and I've tried to like really absorb it. And then I had this experience a few days ago where I, I have these guests. They're three ladies. They sit down. First of all, they're being like just stupid in the sense that they, they sit down and I'm trying to like go up there and greet them and be like, do you have any questions? Can I get you something to drink? And they just like ignore me. And then one of them stands up and walks over to the bar, excuse me, and orders directly from the bartender, which is like not how it's done. And in our case, it fucks everything up because the bartender is really busy making drinks and they don't have time to talk to guests. So it's much better to just order through the server, let the bartender make the drinks. Everything will happen faster. Everything will be better, smoother. The servers know more about the stuff. They just have time for you. Like just sit down and just do the format the way we want you to do the format. But so they sit down eventually and then I go up and I manage to get a drink order from the other two. And they're both like, they're being shitty and difficult and they want like she, the, lady number two orders a fucking house cocktail lady number one orders a hot toddy and then i come back and lady number one thinks that the hot toddy is like not warm enough and too sour so i pour a little bit of honey in there i dilute it a little bit with some more hot water in a preheated glass i get it hot and now she's mad that the glass is too hot 
So it's like first it wasn't too first it was the drink wasn't hot enough, and now the glass is too hot. And it's like, lady, you know. So we like remake it and do more cinnamon in there. And it's like, we remake this drink four times. And then lady number two, she doesn't like her first drink at all. She's like, I really don't like this. Even though I'd like described it to her so clearly. So then we just start over and she's like, okay, so I'd like a Bailey's drink with rum. And she's like, can you just get me a normal like Bailey's drink with rum? And I look at her like, bro, those don't go together, dude. But I'm, I don't say it like that. I say it all nice. And I'm like, that's not really a combination. That's usually a thing, you know? Like Bailey's is a whiskey thing. You might do a vodka cream-based Irish uh, white Russian with some Bailey's in it. You might do like an Irish coffee. Like there's, you don't really do rum. So she's like, can the bartenders invent something for me? And so we invent this drink and we do the horchata, which is like a cinnamon, house-made cinnamon um, milk drink that Ivan Ivan the Adequate always says, he always says horchata tastes like uh, cinnamon toast crunch, like the milk that's left behind after you've had cinnamon toast crunch, which is true. Because horchata really is just milk with cinnamon and sugar in it, I think. I don't know. Is it tea? I don't know. In that show, American Vandal, they have some, the main character really likes horchata and he talks about it as this artisanal drink, but I don't think it is. I think it's just milk with sugar and cinnamon. Anyways, we have a horchata and we mix it with Bailey's and pour it over ice and we do a little bit of nutmeg and it's like, we make this nice cocktail for her. And then she's like, this is too sweet. And then I'm, and now I'm starting to feel like, no, no, we're not going to take this off of your check too. Cause we already took the first cocktail off and this lady just wants to send everything back. So then I'm like, okay, we can make it a little bit less sweet. We can dilute it a little bit. And then, so we do a remake and then she tries it again. And then when I'm not there, she walks up to the bartender and she's like, um, she's like, it's not strong enough, I think is what she said. She's like, can I have a shot of whiskey? No, she asked for a shot of vodka in there. And then the bartender is like, well, you already have whiskey in there. So we should probably do whiskey. So he pours a shot of whiskey in there. And then she's like, yeah. Then she sort of likes it. And then here's the thing. Then I drop the check. They give me cards. I run the cards. And then after we've done that, she calls me over. And that's when the shit hits the fan. Because then she goes... Why did you charge me for that other shot? Because she, we made her a cocktail and she goes up to the bartender, adds, asks for another shot. And then she's like, why do you charge me for that? And then I have to do this whole thing of like, look, you're in a, you're, this is a business. Like if you ask for something, it's going to cost you money. And I'm already starting to do this thing where I'm like, I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand that I'm like, this is how much of a pushover, like the, Lady number one's cocktail, I remade it four or five times. And then lady number two here, we've remade it like three, four, five times. So like now I'm drawing a line in the sand here. Now we're not giving you more stuff for free. And we're not like remaking shit anymore. And and we're not taking anything else off of your check here. So it's like, I have to explain to this lady that like, if you order something in a restaurant, it's not going to be free. She's like, why is there a $9 charge for this shot? And then I started explaining that, look, we took the first $13 cocktail off of your check. And then for the second thing here, we just charged you for a shot of Bailey's, even though we invent, we put our housemate horchata in there. We, 
invented it into a whole cocktail, which is also something we normally charge for, but we were being nice. So we took all of that off of your check and we just charged you for a shot of Bailey's. And then you asked for another shot. So we charged you for a double. And she's like, what? It's $19. It's $18 or whatever. It's like, yeah, you ask a double in a nice restaurant. That's just what it is. And then she just keeps going. And she's like, her friend is like, so what do you want to be happy? And she's like, I want the $9 off. And then I just say, no, that is absolutely not something that's going to happen. And it's like, I've never said a thing like that in my entire life. Yeah. I don't know. It feels super, this feels like such a, I feel really, this rant feels really ridiculous, but, but that's what I said. And and then she kept going and they just complained and, and they were like, oh, but I didn't like it. And I'm like, bro, you ask us to invent something for you. And then you have to understand that there's a risk that you might not like it. And then she's like, I didn't understand that there was a risk. It's like, And she is so loud and so annoying about this that the table next to that table chimes in and is like, give this young man a break, is what they said. Give him a break. You're fucking complaining and haranguing him and he's done nothing wrong. And and then even the table next to him, after everyone's arguing in a big group for a long time, the table next to him is even like, look, we'll pay for your shit. So that you leave the server alone. Like, we can't stand watching how you're treating the server. Because he just kept yelling at me. And I just stood my ground and was super professional about it. And was just like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna give you any more stuff for free. And then she didn't tip me. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I don't fucking expect you to tip me right now, lady. It's fine. And I just stood my ground and was like, no. And then I even went one step further and I did the bartender mic thing where I was like, look, lady, we've given you – and and because this was in response to the lady number one was like, but I asked for another shot in my hot toddy that I didn't like. And I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, so why is my extra shot free when my friend's extra shot is not free? And I'm like, yeah, look, we've given both of you guys plenty of things for free. We gave her the first cocktail completely. We just took it off of her check. We give her the whole cocktail making off of the check. And then we're giving you the extra shot for free. So because we're doing you all these favors, that's why it's super rude of you to be haranguing me like this when you're, when you're, uh, and then when we're doing you all these favors already. Like it's so fucking rude. And uh, I call, I said that they were being super rude. And then the table next to them is chiming in and they're like, oh, and I'm like, you're not going to pay for their shit. They're going to pay for their own shit. And I didn't let the nice people do it. And and then uh, the, the thing about it is that normally I would have just been like deferential and I wouldn't have maybe given them a bunch of shit for free, but I would have been deferential and I would have just like let them abuse me and I would have walked away and I would have complained to my coworkers and I, you know, but instead I like actually told them like, no, we don't act like this and you're not invited back if you're going to act like this. And this is a business and we don't just give out shit for free that you ask for. Like if you ask for a shot of whiskey, we're going to charge you for a shot of whiskey. And you're not at your friend's house. 
And it's like, you should probably not go to restaurants ever again. Like I told them these things, like you should probably go to a grocery store and get what you need. And then you should probably stay at your house. And I was like, in a professional, even handed way, I was like, you should, you should probably never go to a restaurant ever again, lady. And then they left. And then I like talked to the table next to them. And I was like, I didn't mean to cut you off, sir, and I'm, I'm, I didn't want for you to pay for their shit, but I want you to know that I really appreciate that you chimed in because you made me feel like I was not crazy. And they were, and it, and it just like, because I stood up for myself, the whole experience just passed through me in a harmonious way where it didn't like leave all this residue. And I didn't think about it a week later with feelings of hatred towards those ladies. Instead, I just, honestly, I almost feel a little bit sorry for them because they were, they were clearly not thriving, you know? <sighs> like, I later realized that there was this other guy who was just mingling in a res restaurant. He just brought six bottles of wine in in a big case and was just sitting down at different tables talking to different guests and then sitting up at the bar. And then when he heard all this commotion with everyone yelling at each other, he like came over and sat at the table with the three ladies trying to be friends with them and trying to like see if he could work it out. And then apparently it ended with him just screaming at them, well, fuck you ladies. And then he just stormed out. So they couldn't win him over and he's crazy. So in the end, it was just this thing where I feel like the universe just validated me and made me feel like I wasn't crazy. And, and in the end, that's all I want, you know. And in that sense, I'm just a, I'm just a modern day American woman. Because modern day American women, all they want is they just want you to to validate how they feel. And that's what I want too. I just want. I just want you to say that, yeah, I hear you. And I just want the universe to look me in the eye and say, yeah, I hear you. And, and you're not crazy. Like the way you feel about this is, is good and it's normal. And I felt angry and I felt offended. And then the universe looked at me and all these people around me looked at me and said, yeah, you should, that was offensive what they did. That was anger inducive what they did, inducing. And if things you felt were valid and they were good and they were, they were healthy and they were honest and I felt those things truly and then they passed through me. And that's progress. <laughs> Fuck. I was still flustered in the moment though, I tell you. I was flustered in the moment. And then an hour later, me and the table next to him were like talking through it and uh, making fun of them and when i dropped a check for them they were like we want nine dollars off and they kept making fun of them loudly yelling at me across the restaurant as i'm on the computer like we want nine dollars off yelling super loud and then the three ladies randomly came back while we were making fun of them loudly and they just walked through the restaurant one more time and stood at the fireplace and we were all like fuck we're gonna get in trouble and it all just felt like we're not, we're not hiding, you know, we're out here. We got emotions and they're healthy and we're out here. <laughs> and, um, I was a little bit less Swedish that day and I was better for it. <sighs> so next year we're doing signature select Soleil Soleil. It's now called Soleil Soleil twice. Um, mango passion fruit. 
It smells like mango, which is good. Ah, yeah, that's good. That's very watery. That's a that's a seven out of ten. Um, yeah, what else happened? I had a dream that I um that I was in China and I was at a Shaxian Xiaoqi. This dream stayed with me. I was at a Shaxian Xiaoqi, which is like a little hole-in-the-wall restaurant where you sit down and all the dishes are like 20 cents and they have these beautiful wonton soups and beautiful peanut sauce noodles and you can get a hard-boiled tea egg on whatever and and then Magnus Carlsen, the, the best chess player in the world, maybe ever in humanity history, came in and, and I was like, are you Magnus Carlsen? And he's like, yeah, you want to take a picture with me? And we took a picture together and then the dream ended. God, I love Magnus Carlsen. He's been the world champion for 10 years now. Best chess player. Um, I, um, I got a haircut and that was also an experience. I, I do enjoy, um, I do enjoy having a hairdresser, like having a guy that's my guy where I go to the same guy. And, um, as we all know, as longtime listeners know, and back in Seattle, I used to go to this guy, Scott, at the two and a half barbers. Is that the name of the place? It was something weird that seemed like a reference to the Charlie Sheen show, but, and they had a cooler in there and you could grab beer and just drink beer while you were waiting to get a haircut and everything was decked out like it was the 1950s and he only took cash and he didn't take appointments and. If you called him on the phone, he was real rude to you because he hated phones. And he was a real American. And he was kind of a mystery because he was a real blue-collar guy. And I, I kind of thought he was like a Trump supporter. But then I realized that he had just like a lot of different sides to him where he he was married to this African lady. And he like spent two months out of every year in Africa and like really went deep in the culture there. With his Kenyan wife. And he had like this 60 person extended family in-laws in Kenya. That he had these complicated relationships with. And he just had a little, he had a seat at the table in the tribe over there in Kenya. And it was, Scott was a, he was a kind of a mysterious guy. But, but here now I have this lady, Sarah, and. And she's nice because I like her because she's, um, again, I was like worried because she's a little bit of a right winger and I was worried that she was like an anti-vaxxer and it just seems a little bit irresponsible to go get a haircut and we don't wear masks and shit and to go to an anti-vaxxer hairdresser seemed super irresponsible. So, so I made sure and she actually did get vaccinated and we're good, you know, And I got my booster and it fucked me up. And um I go get a haircut and, and I'm 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 out I'm out there and, and um and this time she was she was um dyeing the hair of this old lady. And then while waiting for the dye to do its thing, she gave me a haircut. And so while I'm doing it, this blue haired old lady is talking to me and, and she is, she's in my face and she's got both hands on the armrests of my chair. 
and her face is just like a foot from my face. And um, she's telling me the story of like how she's in her 70s and her boyfriend and her, they're both seniors and they're both retired. And and she's like, yeah, we've been dating for four years. And, and when we first met, he told me, and I didn't even ask him, he told me that everything works on my body. Everything works. And, and then she's like, and he's, he was lying because he shits himself and he pisses himself. And when I touched his little brother, it didn't move. And he's like, yeah, I have ED. And so they've never had relations because his, his little brother doesn't get hard. That's what she's telling me. And then she's like telling me how she went through his search history and his browser history and shit on his phone and his computer. And it's all on the website Chatterbait is what she says. And it's all men. So her boyfriend's a gay guy. And she's like, I broke up with him this morning and we've been dating for four years. And he broke my heart because I was so in love with him. But we never had sex. And I thought, I thought his penis was broken, but he's just a gay man. She asked me, what is that? I said, I don't know. And she told me he was a military man. And I guess it was just, I guess they just call that being repressed, you know? I guess that's just old school repression. And we talked through it. And and then she's like, I don't know. I say something about how I'm hoping that she's vaccinated. And she's like, I don't believe in that stuff. And she goes, did you know that Bill Gates is developing this chip that should go in our bodies? And did you know that the patent number of the chip is 60606, Mark of the Beast? And it's like, how stupid is that? Like, to actually believe a thing like that. Because things like that, it's like, dude, that is so checkable. Like, you can call the patent office. You can call the patent office, dude. If you're going to go ahead and believe something like that. And I'm like, it sounds late. It sounds like you're on your phone too much. And then she goes, no, I don't even have a phone. It's my daughter. My daughter calls me and tells me these things. And it's like, what a shit daughter. You're going to call your mom in her seventies and tell her your shitty conspiracy theories and get your mom to be an anti-vaxxer. Your mom, who's now going to die of COVID for sure. This lady does not have six months in her. Ugh. 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 I accidentally drank the bubbler. Ugh. Gotta wash that down with some Soleil. It's just so upsetting. Yeah. So she tells me all these conspiracy theories about chips and vaccines and shit. And then, um, after a while, she gets bored of talking about herself because we talked about her quite a bit. She was a bit of an oversharer and she asks me about me and what I do and stuff. And I tell her I work at the Holbrook. And she tells me, um, I don't know. I was going to not use the name, but it's like, she tells me that she's, she knows Lilith. And she's like, I pay Lilith's phone bill. And now I've already talked about Lilith on the pod and how I, how I'm in love with Lilith and stuff. And, and then this old lady is like, 
So why don't you go and like make Lilith your girlfriend? Because um, Lilith's boyfriend beats the shit out of her. And I cannot believe this. Everyone knows this, apparently. And it's like such a crazy 1950s open small town open secret thing like what would it like how are we how are we in this situation and then i'm I, people have told me that at work where it's like yeah she's got this boyfriend and like i go to a lot of bars and everyone talks about him and how he like beats the shit out of her and he's just like physically violent with anyone and he just goes to bars and gets in fights and just beats the shit out of people and he's just in and out of prison and stuff and it's like how are we in this situation how do we still have open secrets why is no one, I don't know. It's a weird feeling of frustration. And then I talked to some people at work about this and it's like, and they're all like, yeah. And this one guy's like, yeah, I've known Lilith her whole life. Like my kids grew up with her. They went to school together and I've known her my whole life. And, and it's just like, yeah, I know that he beats the shit out of her. And then he's like all you know, informed and says these real things about it where he's like, yeah, and I know what that is. And I, we all know that it's like, you know, the statistics is like when you have men that beat the shit out of women, eventually they just murder women, you know? So we're both standing there like, yeah, we both know this and we both know that like statistically there's probably like a, I don't know, 20% risk that she gets murdered by this partner of hers in the next year. And it's like, how are we going to feel about ourselves when that happens? And when this is something we just know and that we don't do anything about. It's absolutely like, I mean, I don't know. But then yesterday I show up to work and Lilith shows up and she's like, I ask her how she's doing and it's so, everyone's so dramatic back there. Everyone's so dramatic. Everyone's always like, I don't know. I guess I can say this because it's definitely in the public record, but she's like, blah, blah, blah. My boyfriend's going to prison because he didn't go to court. Blah, 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 blah. He just wandered off last night. And I was like, I hope you wander off and fucking wander all the way to your court date tomorrow. And then he didn't. And when you miss your court date this many times, and now you just automatically go to prison. And, and I'm heartened. I'm heartened because he should go to prison. And then... Yeah. And I'm like, I tell her, I'm like, good. And then she's like, but I love him. And you know, I don't go deep into it, but I'm like, I don't know that you do. You know? Trauma bonding can really feel like love. You have these deep, intimate, horribly traumatizing experiences together and it fuses you so tightly because you both have shared this thing that you feel like you can never live with each other because no one can ever, you can never live without each other because no one can ever understand you the way this person understands you because you've had these incredibly bad experiences that did so much to you and changed you. And there's such intimacy in it. It's like being to, going to war together. But there is no war. It's just the two of you and you just have a physically abusive relationship. And that's trauma bonding and that's not love. 
And tonight I want us all to pray that her fucking boyfriend goes to prison. Yeah. I don't know. And the blue-haired lady at the fucking hairdresser's office was like, the blue-haired lady at the hair salon was like, why don't you go over there with your friends and beat the shit out of her boyfriend? Because somehow I drove a U-Haul truck down from Seattle and passed through a time-traveling portal and ended up in the 1950s where there's only vigilante justice. I don't know, dude. <clears throat> All right. Third passion fruit. This is from um, Talking Rain. It's caffeinated. And I honestly don't believe that I haven't reviewed this already. I have to have reviewed this already, but maybe not. Passion fruit. Yeah. I've, I've had like a hundred cans of this in my life. It's gently caffeinated. Um, I want to say like 30, 50 milligrams of caffeine per can, which is like a cup of coffee. It's, um, it's a gentle cup of coffee. It tastes a little bit dirty. It tastes a little bit perfumey and artificial, but it also tastes a little bit like a sour passion fruit, but all of it is gentle. So mostly it's just refreshing and I love talking rain. And it's a beautiful way to get 50 milligrams of caffeine into your body. Excuse me, I burped while having sparkling water in my mouth. So at 3.30 p.m. right now, and I have to be at work in 30 minutes, and I'm not going to cut it cut it close like last time. After recording episode 65, I was late for work. Oh, but I feel rested. I feel rested right now. I feel rested. I feel like I slept 100 years. And came back to the world and everything was different and everything was a little bit better. That's what I feel like. But maybe I just had too much coffee, who knows. <clears throat> Thank you for listening, everyone. <clears throat>